the people of Israel, the people of Judah, understood themselves as a nation, as a people, always in relation to Jerusalem. That was kind of their, their central homing beacon. They would go up to Jerusalem several times a year on pilgrimage for the feasts, um, so they, they knew what it meant to, to be moving towards Jerusalem. They knew that that was the place where God's presence dwelt amongst them. They also knew that that was where God had promised that salvation would come from. That's where the Messiah was going to come and was going to establish the kingdom. So that was also where their hopes were pointing. Um, and they saw themselves in this way kind of as pilgrims, that their whole lives were moving towards Jerusalem. It was all ordered towards Jerusalem, all pivoted around Jerusalem. And I think it's hard for us to grasp this without something of a modern equivalent. So here's something of an analogy. We'll see if it works for you. Um, AFL footy is a very important thing to some Australians. And the home of AFL footy is Melbourne, or more specifically, the G. The MCG is... The home of football. Any interstaters who want to disagree with that, you can talk to me afterwards. Um, and there's one moment in which the whole season is always gearing up to, and that is the grand final. You know, even in these early games of the season that we're having now, when you don't even know who's in form and who's not and who's going to win, everybody is moving towards that last Saturday in September when the big game is going to be on. The grand final is going to be at the G. Everything is ordered towards that. Now, I grew up in Melbourne as a footy fan, and this was kind of in my blood. I knew that um, on that day, there was nothing else that happened. You, you, that day is set aside for watching the footy. That's all that happens. Um, as someone called me from interstate recently to ask about a retreat they were putting on, whether they could get me up to it, and they said, oh, yeah, we've got this date. I'm not sure if it'll work for you, though, because it's on grand final weekend. They knew I was a Melbourneian. And, like, it's often been joked that footy is Melbourne's other religion, um, perhaps the main religion of this city. But this especially became kind of enshrined in our society when about eight years ago we installed the public holiday for the grand final. And um, now we have two sporting event public holidays. But the funny thing is that the public holiday isn't even on the day of grand final. No? It's on the day before. What happens on the day before the grand final? The parade. We have the grand final parade through the city. Because when you have an event of such significance, the players don't just like walk onto the field as any other day. They don't just kind of come into the city as they would travel for any other game. There's so much more kind of excitement around it. We need to welcome the teams. We need, the whole city needs to get around them. So we have this parade where they go through the streets um, so that we can kind of welcome them, we can celebrate them, we can get around the players as they arrive into the city, as they're moving into the arena, to, we can get behind those that we're going to be cheering on the next day, the great warriors who are going to be in the contest on the next day. And it's because of the great significance of that event that it needs that grand entrance beforehand, because this is what everything has been leading up to. And Jesus understood this kind of significance of this moment that he comes to on Palm Sunday. Jesus riding an animal for any reason. Um, sometimes he goes up to Jerusalem intentionally, quietly. He tries to hide himself and just kind of goes in a back way, maybe wearing a big hood so that no one could see his face. He doesn't want to be seen, but today he wants to be seen. 
Um, he wants to tell everyone that this is the moment that they've been waiting for, that this is the Messiah coming into town. This is the moment when the kingdom is going to come about, when the salvation that they've been waiting for is about to happen. Jesus takes up the prophecy and enters the town in such a way as to announce that to the people, and they respond, and they enter into that joy and that rejoicing. So we need to notice that significance as we come into this week and we celebrate these events of the Paschal Mystery, these events of Holy Week that are the reason for our hope and the reason for our joy, the reason for our life as Christians. But there's a second very important thing that Jesus is also communicating by the way that he enters Jerusalem on this day. Not only is he pointing out that, yes, he is the Messiah coming to bring about the kingdom, to bring about their salvation, but he shows something very important about the way in which he wants to bring about that salvation, the way in which he is approaching these events of the coming week. Because of all the prophecies that he could have taken up about the Messiah coming into Jerusalem, he takes up this one about riding on a donkey. Now, have you ever heard of a great warrior riding out to war on a donkey? No, it doesn't happen because donkeys are slow and gentle. Um, They're not great warrior things. They're not going to win you a battle. While some people might have hoped that that was the kind of way the Messiah was going to come and establish the kingdom, That's not the way that Jesus is coming as the Messiah. He's coming in humility. Donkey may not be strong like a great horse that's going to lead you in the charge and trample over the enemies, but donkey's strong in another way. It's strong as a servant. It'll do jobs for you and carry heavy loads. Jesus comes humbly as a servant to carry our burdens in this week. He comes in the humility, the lowliness of riding on a donkey. This is the way in which he wants to bring about salvation. This is the strength of his kingdom. Is not in coming in and doing away with evil and, and bowing us all to his will by his great might and force and majesty. No, the strength of his kingdom is in love and humility. He comes to, to journey with the broken and weak humanity and to submit himself to all that that means. We see particularly in this passion story today, Jesus confronts the weakness of his friends, the weakness of his disciples in particular. Yes, also the, the weakness and the brokenness of those who want to, um, to crucify him, the, the Jewish leaders, but particularly his disciples. Firstly, we see Judas, who from the very start of our reading was looking for a chance to betray him. But when Jesus confronts him in the garden, when he, he, he's bringing the, the temple police to come and arrest him, does Jesus say, no, you will not betray me. You must turn and um, get back on my side or get away from me, evil man. He says, come and do what you're here to do. He says, come, friend, and do what you are here to do. There's a gentleness, a compassion for Judas in his confusion and brokenness that led him to do such a thing. And again, he knows that Peter will deny him. He knows that the rest of the disciples will also turn and run away when the passion begins. He warns them, 
during the Last Supper, but he, he doesn't rebuke them and say, you need to be stronger and you need to be better. Um, you need to rally to my side. No, he says, once you realize your mistakes, turn and come back to me. He understands, and we see particularly with Peter, that he gives him that opportunity for repentance and forgiveness after his resurrection. He meets their weakness and accepts it, and he submits himself to all that that means, the abandonment that he feels even from his disciples who run away. This is how Jesus comes in to bring about salvation into our sinfulness, with humility and with love. And when we are then invited to journey through this week with Jesus into these events, we're invited to enter into that with that same heart of Jesus. We're invited to enter into the journey of this week with humility, not with all of our might and strength and power, but with the humility and love that he shows. That's how he invites us to journey with him to the cross and through the cross into the resurrection. But what does it look like for us to enter into Holy Week in this kind of humility where we could, instead of driving to the services, ride on a donkey, but that might not be so practical for some of us. So how do we, how do we metaphorically ride on a donkey into all that we're going to celebrate this week? It might mean bringing before God some of the weakness or the sin in our own lives that we haven't been able to open up to him about. Perhaps just some of the, the struggles or the challenges that we face that God wants to bring his comfort into. He wants to meet us there with his compassion, with his gentleness and humility. Perhaps it means for us laying aside some of our spiritual pride. Through Lent, maybe we've taken up some great feats and we feel all amazing for having fasted so much or prayed even more than we ever should and we feel so holy and great about ourselves that this is going to be the greatest Lent ever, the greatest Easter ever. But we're not coming in here to achieve something. We're coming in here to open up to the grace of God. Perhaps we can approach Easter knowing that we've been here before. We know how this goes. We know the kind of messages we're going to hear. We know the events that are taking place. We've been here before. Perhaps it means for us coming open for God to show us something new. That we can let him surprise us through the events of this week. God has grace in store for each one of us as we journey through Holy Week. I don't know what grace God has on offer for me this week. I don't know what grace God has on offer for you this week. But my prayer is that we can each enter into this with that kind of humility that we can be open to what God wants to do, open to what God wants to show us, and so that we can perhaps make our own these words we heard from Isaiah in our first reading today. He says, Each morning the Lord wakes me to hear and to listen like a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear. For my part, I made no resistance, neither did I turn away. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. 
and consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.